you gotta handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you wanna be judged on wood grain and concrete courts in New York. This ain't no nickel and dime. It's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good. I guarantee it. But was your reputation built from the playground up? Or did you call next when they took that ish? Or cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens? Or as loud as Mr. Softy ice cream? No. You see, this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's dribbling dimes. What's up? This is Emilio the Poet. Yo, what's good? This is Manny Digital. Welcome to Dribble and Dimes Quarantine Edition. Once again, um, special, special. Edition. Yeah, yeah. This is this is special for many reasons, but um, yes. particularly for Emilio. Uh, this, there's Damn a lot, right. There's a lot of uh, synergy with this guest that we're about to introduce. So, so let me let me give y'all a little bit of a picture of who we're about to talk to. Um, so, so this dude is full of Harlem swag. He's from Harlem World, USA. Although that was something I learned later, just because he was at St. Raymond every day. He made that commute to learn and be coached by the le- uh, legendary coach, Gary DeCesar. Um, Sir Lankalot is what I used to call him behind his back. Um, this dude stunned everybody he played against, dominating opponents all around the metropolitan area uh, and soon thereafter nationally. Uh, so much so that he took home Mr. New York basketball honors, uh, and he caught the McDonald's all American honor, uh, his senior Mm. year at St. Raymond. He went off surprisingly to play down in North Carolina, NC state and racked up all sorts of ACC accolades while he was there. Uh, he played several years professionally, both in the NBA and around the globe. Today, he's an assistant coach on the staff of coach, Jean Prelo, I believe that's how how it's said, uh, over at San, San Jose State University in California. Uh, yeah, with home, us, home, home of Tupac, home of Tupac, baby. All right, so nah, nah, he's from New York, but he rep he rep Cali hard though. With, he was repping New York first. Yeah, he was, he was. But that's why you liked him because he was from New York. Let me find out. Hold on, wait, wait. We didn't even say his name yet. Yo, yo. Oh, with, what's his name? With us today is Julius Melvin Hodge. What's good, fellas? Yo, it's a pleasure to have you. It only took us like ten years to get you on here, but I guess yeah, it's ten. A fact, it's a fact. <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> Since we started this, Jules, your name has been coming up. O-O-D. You probably heard us on multiple podcasts saying your name. If you haven't, then check yourself out. You came out many times in many different interviews. But thank you for doing nah, this, man. I appreciate I, you. I appreciate it. My man Emilio, man, know you since we were pups, man. Why don't we get let's get into the puppy dog talk, actually, because um the history is really long. Uh pause. And, and, you know, and and I'll turn it over to Emilio, but personally, right. Um, and that's why I was, I was confused when I found out that you was from Harlem. Cause I remember seeing you at St. Raymond elementary school playing, Mm -hmm. playing with them. Right. You was really young against my brother. Right. Against St. Dominic back in the day. I remember that. I remember that team. Whooped our ass something fierce. I hate y'all. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Yeah, yeah, that shit was a problem. But but you I, will Rojo, Dirk Newhart, Daryl Daryl Miller, 
right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Shalal, Shalal, Matt, Matt, Shalal, Matt. Was it? Wasn't um, Matt Augustine? Chris and Pierre. Nah, nah. Matt was a year older than him. Okay. And, uh, D. Miller were a year older. Okay. 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 Yeah, yeah, man. That was that was back in the day. Uh, oh, we we got history, baby. Yeah, that's a fact. It's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were gonna say something. You were gonna say something. Nah, I was gonna say uh, legendary coach Ron Patnosh. You know, yes. RP was our head coach. Um, R. Sturgis was the assistant. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used to go all around the area, you know, play against the local teams, uh, St. Dominic, St. Helena's. Yeah. They had uh, Anthony Epps. Yep. Epps used yes. to really give me 40, 50 points. No like, way. Great. 48 wow. points. Like, Yo, this is why we got to get Epps. Epps was my young motivation. <laughs> all facts. I got to give him his props. Like, so wait, so Yo, wait. Did, did you know we called them Baby Shaq? Was that, was that around the league or no? Um, At the time, do nah, you remember I that? used to call him his full name. That's when you knew Cap was nice back then. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, mad respect. In St. Dominic, we used to call him Baby Shaq. We used to like, this thing is this thing is dominating. Yo, he, he did everything. Like, he shot threes. He got to the free throw line. He finished. He was strong. Yes. He was like six one strong. Yes. Like, was a, like, he was a problem. He was, and, he was a monster, man. And, and you, Shout out to Epps. And you was, you was always like a lanky, you know, skinny dude. At the time, when Epps was, you know, when you were playing against Epps and, and all those guys, were you get? I mean, were you handling yours? I didn't get to watch a lot of your games, but against somebody like Ant, were you handling yours or yeah, were you yeah, getting pushed I, around? I, I used I used to get off, like, you know, I was scoring, I don't know, 12, 15, 17 points, but, like, that was the one dude who used to, like, dominate me. We probably played them, damn, maybe eight or nine times uh, that year. And we lost every single time. Wow. No way. And we never beat them. It was crazy. Like in eighth grade, we might have played like 63 game seasons. Like <laughs> it was like the league. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, man, like Epps used to really like he used to he used to cook me. Like so going into high school, I knew what was in front of me. I was like, yo, this dude, like this dude real. So if I'm a like be on my A game, I'm gonna have to improve. Mm, so, right. you know, I, I was always able to see the marker right ahead of me, whether it was Anthony Epps at that time. Ninth grade, it was a uh, Quan Pickney. Uh, oh, yeah. Quan was a Quan. local Castle Hill, uh, about six feet guard at the time, but he was good. He would score, could shoot it. Uh, Chris McCray, mm. who went yes. on to play together on Voss. You know, y'all know Chris Hosh. Of course, Chris. Shout out, Chris. Yes, sir. So I, I always had immediate markers ahead of me. And then, and that's just within the Ravens family. Even before that was uh, a kid by the name, well, a, a man now by the name of Teddy Muffin. He ended up going to Bishop Lockland and playing with uh, head coach Oklahoma State, Mike Boyne. But when we were young, like Teddy Muffet was like number three in the nation, like from like sixth to eighth grade. He would kill, hmm. like big, strong point guard, could score, could shoot it, could pass. Like another dude I never beat. So he always played with the church. I ran with the Chos. We never beat them. Like his pops would be in the stands, uh, RIP to his father. Get him, Ted, get him, Ted, screaming the entire game. Like, like, dang, man, I'm looking at my brother like, yo, I need this motivation too. It's good. Right. Like, they used to, like, kill us. So I always had immediate markers within my grade. And then obviously uh, ahead of me, guys, like, you know, the Andre Barris, the Omar Cooks, the Mike Boyens, the Tali Browns, uh, Kyle Cuffs, 
all those dudes was like a year ahead and then a, a, a year ahead of them was the Majestic Maps, the Kenny Sats. So it was always like in New York City at that time, it was always special players in those markets that like, hey, if you want to reach it, you got to get better. So all I knew was get out in the gym, get out on the court every night and work out with my big bro. So that's what I could control. And I'm, I'm like a firm believer in, you know, control what you can and what you can't let it be. So, you know, you got to flow like water. See, that's that's the veganism. Oh, yeah, you feel me? You feel me? You ain't the only poet. You ain't the only poet. Yeah, <laughs> you know, don't take my job. You ain't going to come for my job. You already trying to coach. Hey, yo, you a vegan? That's interesting, man. How long yeah, you been Yeah, yeah, man. Vegan life. Uh, man, for about four and a half years now. He That's he is, literally he, he was, he's a serious vegan too. Like when you put yeah, that yeah, as part play. when you put that as part of your um Twitter profile, like in in the market, I like mean, yo, it's, it's real. Hashtag vegan, like yo, this is for real. Yo, we we we, de- we definitely got to talk, man. I just kind of started myself, man. I, I you got four oh, years. Word, I got about four word. days. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, for for me, right? I think I, I know I know the definition, but I see a lot of people, like a lot of my friends that claim vegan, they still nitpicking on chicken or or they go get fish and they consider themselves vegan still. Like, what is the true definition of vegan? So, all right, so if you still eating chicken, you're not a vegan right, at all, right. actually. That's completely the opposite. So um, and if you're still eating fish, then you're a pescatarian. Um, that's that's not a you're not a vegan. So I guess my definition of veganism, because there's so many different ways you could go, um, is you know a no processed meats. So whether that's uh, chicken, ribs, any beef, any pig, any fish, I don't touch it. You know at all, like completely cold turkey past four years. And then also no dairy. So, and um, obviously it's cow's milk, but also no dairy products. So anything that's a byproduct of cow's milk, I don't ingest, I don't put into my temple at all. And um, crazy thing about it is, you know, you have to take your steps to eventually get to that point. So for me, it was, you know, I, I remember I was about 27 and I had went to go see the doctor. I was having knee pain. And he was like, yo, your knee is completely shot. It's a wrap. You, you better retire. And in my head, I'm like, nah, I mean, I still got to go hoop and steal a couple checks. I know I'm the overhead, but, you know, I, I still got some juice left. Right. So right. I was like, what can I do to prolong, you know, my playing career for an extra three years? I wanted to retire at 30 and then get into coaching or broadcasting. So what I started to do was it started with Pilates classes and then I quickly shifted over to yoga classes. And then when I started doing yoga, I went hot yoga. And it's something about that heat. Once you get into that heat, it's like mentally, it like it literally shuts everything down. And it's like, I'm one, I'm one with the sun. I, I hate to say it, it sounds so cool. No, no, no. Like it, it literally, it's just like, it calms everything down. My thoughts are focused on the poses because if it's not, you're going to fall out of it. Mm. Um, and then the, the sweat and the stretch you get in there. Like I loved it. So after I did that, then it immediately went to, you know, obviously 
um, the way I ate. And after doing a workout like that, you know, because I'm a, a big uh, Bikram yoga fan, if you're in there 90 minutes, you know, you don't, you don't want to go out there and eat a cheeseburger after that. Yeah, like, you mess I'm it all not up. Gonna waste, I'm not going to waste that workout. So um, that's how it started to me, you know, worrying about what I eat. And then, you know, first I tried to go cold turkey. I'm done with four meats. I'm not eating any of that. No dairy. I'm just eating like just cashews, nuts, paws, and like <laughs> I'm drinking water and veggies. And that didn't work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it was like, you can't do it that way. So I, I needed more information so I could, you know, properly do it. So I took steps. Um, the first thing I did was I said, you know, no meats or processed foods or I'm done with it. So once I did that, I was like, the only thing I eat now is fish. So I went from being a pescatarian. And then I was able to slowly get to the point where I was like, and it's funny, uh, when I started, I was on um, my first recruiting trip and I'm, I'm literally in uh, the middle of Georgia and like North Augusta, Georgia. And it's literally nothing there that will make you be like, hey, this is where I would have started my, my vegan journey. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, it's nothing number rib, number will, rib shacks. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing there that will prompt you to have that line of thinking. Right. But All right. I was just like, you know what? I want to do this. Uh, I got off the plane. I had a game at 12. It was like 11.15. So I just got in my rental, went straight to a Whole Foods, got a bunch of veggies, a uh, bunch of fruit, a bunch of water, juices. Went to my hotel. Didn't even check in. Just like literally put it in the refrigerator and went to the games. And then ever since, you know, after the first four days, it was really difficult. So um, my mind up here and, you know, my gut mind was literally telling me for four straight days, you need to get some chicken, like fry it. You could uh, saute <laughs> it, whatever you want to do, but get some chicken in your system. Right. You know, um, and my mind was trying to get that mucus back in my body. But uh, I was able to resist it, and ever since then, you know, it's it's been straight. So fuck, you know, yo, let I, me tell you, I, yo, I hate your story right now. Yo, <laughs> yo, Jules, bro. First of all, man, I see your light, brother. Like just the idea that you call it your temple, it just shows you where your your, your level of consciousness is, man. I just, I'm, yo, it's just beautiful to see because I've seen. Bits and pieces of you in your youth, and now to see you as a man in that progression, bro. It's, it's a real pleasure and an honor to see that. For real, for real, for real. Uh, I, Especially I coming from where we come from, you know what I mean? And the kind of mentality yeah, exactly. around exactly. where we come from. And to see that evolution, that is just, it's a beautiful thing. I just want to correct myself. I did say veg uh, mm -hmm. vegan. I am not a vegan fully because I'm a, a pescatarian. I still eat fish. So you, you guys go. are correct to go. say that. So it's been a process, but again, I'm fairly new. I, to be honest, about two or three weeks is not it's not been very long, but yeah, yeah, you know, sure. but it's you know, it's like you said, it's a it's a process. But, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm just, it, exactly. but you definitely notice the difference, you know, as far as your pains in your body, etc. Correct? It, exactly, exactly. Uh, it's it's crazy, but ever since I I've become uh, just vegetarian. Well, no, no, I want to say that. So I would say once I started on the, the, the vegan journey and this lifestyle, um, before that, uh, I would go to sleep at night and it's like, you know, I will always have sinus trouble and mm. uh, I'll be trying to get to sleep. And it's like my nose would just get stopped up uh, and it'll switch through the night. You know, when you sit, you know, one is stopped up right. and then that joint <laughs> opened up and the other one closed. Yeah. And it's like, and then uh, like I, I would have chest pains 
And I'm like, yo, man, I'm young, I'm fit, like I work out, you know. Um, back then I thought, you know, I'm, I'm eating healthy because, you know, I probably only ate chicken four times that week, but I had a lot of veggies, right? <laughs> right. You know, everybody, everybody's like, hey, man, now I'm eating healthy. I'm like, yep. what you eating? You know, I only had steak once this week. I was like, well, that's going to stay in you for about four to six months. So good luck with that. You know, that's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> like, you could put all the lettuce you want on top of that, but that's staying right in there. Right. Um, I love that. I love that. But, but, but yeah, just... um. It, it, it takes time, you know what I'm saying? But as long as you're disciplined and you stay on your journey, you know, you, you, you're going to be straight. And the thing is, let me, let me get back and finish that point. Um, I had a, a bunch of sinus problems, like runny noses, chest was hurt, and went to see the doctor. And he was like, uh, I don't know, maybe it's anxiety. I was like, well, I'm, I don't have any anxiety about anything. And I'm like, don't just give me that medical term just so you could put me on another drug, which would be, you know, a pill or something to take away pain or, you know what I'm saying? So I just was like, you know what? I, I got to change this. Too young to be feeling this way with my perceived thought that I'm healthy. And then literally once I change, you know, since it's been to now, haven't had any sinus problems, probably been sick. And when I say sick, it's a relative term because before becoming vegan being sick to me was like being sick for like five six days you're not feeling right now being sick to me is i feel it coming on i take literally a a, a big spoon of elderberry i get some vitamin c in me i get some uh, uh, orange eat the orange eat the pill make sure it's clean of course and like literally i'll get maybe some tumor tea and like boom i'm good Wow. You know what I'm saying? So I have like two or three hours of I feel it. Like I feel like I might be picking up something. Boom, and it's out my system. But it's it's been like literally since I made that change, and it's it's worked. So mm, okay. So so let me let me tell you why I hate your journey so far. Um, <laughs> uh, and we we've had this conversation, and and I look. Um, I have to say, like you know, I've heard people talk about yoga. My own father would talk about it a lot. Um, as you know, we were growing up, but I never really, I don't know, maybe I just didn't see myself approaching it because peers of mine really weren't with it. Right. Cause like you tend to gravitate toward the things that your inner circle or your immediate circle kind of does because it's just kind of the flow of, you know, adolescence. Um, but when you started talking to me about you doing uh, Bikram yoga, I think it might have been on Twitter. You might have mentioned something. I think I clowned you or something. And then you was like kind of schooling me. And I was like, shit, yo. All right. That's what's up. Like I, I'm, I'm, I haven't really ventured into it yet, but it's something that I definitely have on my radar to build into my routine. But then the vegan thing, yo, I haven't seen the documentary game changers on Netflix because mm -hmm. I know as soon as I do, it's going to, ch it's going to radically change the way I think mm -hmm. about eating. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I hear you tell, when I hear you say this shit now, now I'm like, it's another step closer. Like I got steak happening right now upstairs. So when I'm, I'm done having you know dinner, I'm probably going to feel like <laughs> shit. Thanks to you. Um, it's going to taste good though. It's, it's going to be delicious. It's gonna be deli but no, but, but all joking, all joking aside, like, um, it's really good to hear, um, 
this firsthand perspective because we read a lot of things, but I can't say people like us. I don't know how many of us actually have direct contact with somebody that's gone through it and actually knows what they're talking about, right? Because you you come across a lot of people who might try something for a limited period of time and they talk it up, myself included. Like I've been on the keto diet as an example, right? And it wor- it worked well for me, but it I haven't been able to sustain it. So how well did it really work at the end of the day? You yeah, four you four yeah. years in, right? And yeah, there's yeah. no sign of you turning around because yeah, you ne- never the benefits are so immediate for you, right? So yeah, so I yeah. I don't want to spend the entire interview on that, but I think it was a great yeah, opportunity yeah, for us tripping, to start. Man. No, 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 no. It's this is good. This is good. Yeah. You know, let me just say this real quick, because I think at the end of the day, I think uh, one thing that we, we're blessed is to know people's story. And this is his story, you know what I mean? Because right. he's evolved from, you know, it's not, it wasn't meant to be vegan story, but it just how happens to be his life. And I think it's a beautiful thing. But I just want to say this real quick. I want to share one quick story about my experience with Bikram yoga. So I had never done Bikram yoga before, right? I was told, I think I read an article, something like, oh, um, you shouldn't eat anything, I think, an hour before the, the session. Right. So, so I, I was like, all right, I was good for the day. I hadn't eaten, but at my lunch period at the time was like at 1130 and the Bikram session was at like around, I want to say five or 6 PM. Right. Eastern, right. Whatever. Anyway, I'm, I'm there and I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm yo, I ain't gonna lie. I'm hungrier than a motherfucker. You hear me? I'm hungrier than a motherfucker. Right. So I'm like, I don't know if I can do it. I might fucking pass out at this Bikram shit. Yo, legit, legit. You know what I had? Legit. I had one chocolate chip cookie at around five o'clock. Jules, I kid you not. I had the best session ever. Like, it was beautiful. When I finished, I damn near puked my brains out, bro. And I only had one cookie. You hear me? One. I didn't have... That's crazy. Yo, so when they say don't eat nothing, don't eat a damn thing. But... But Bikram yoga, bro, I haven't done it in years, but yo, it was the it was one of the most surreal, beautiful experiences, bro. Like I love it, man. That's I'm right. glad you reintroduced right. me to that to my world. Right. I definitely want to get back into that for sure. All right. For so, sure, for sure. so I, I want to get different into different styles too. My, my bad. No, 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 go, go. Like vinyasa, vinyasa. It's a bunch of different styles of yoga. Okay, you okay, go. We're going to, yo, we go, so we are going to my brother, we're gonna talk. Not only here, but after too. Because, yo, Just I got you. Show. That's it. It's on now. It's on. So, uh, so I want to talk a little bit about your brother, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, you you mentioned him. I mean, everything that I read and or see, um, either he or your nephew, you know, he's, he's omnipresent in a lot of basketball conversations as it relates to you, for obvious reasons. I know he he was your main supporter your your main motivator um and it sounds like when you put it out into the universe and i want to say you were maybe four or five years old that you wanted to pursue a career in basketball or i guess really take it seriously his ears it sounded like lit up immediately he was like a word oh okay and he took you to task tell me how difficult or not even difficult but like how how did that transpire right like you voiced it it sounds like he jumped on it and kind of said, all right, you, you saying it, we're going to do it. How does that affect you know, a four-year-old? You know what? It's, uh, it's funny because it's kind of how I'm with my son now. So it's, 
it's like, hey, we right now we're in quarantine, and you know, he he just turned eight years old. So every day it says on his weekly, you know, uh, academic guide, you have to get at least fifteen to twenty minutes of you know cardio in or play time. So I'm like, all right, play time will be us going to the court. So just some shots. So so we've been doing it kind of like you know having fun, you know, do your thing. But then I let him. So I'll be watching the game. He's like, well, daddy, I want to watch uh, Naruto or, or Pokemon. And I'm like, nah, I'm watching, I'm watching television. He's like, well, can I go in the room? And watch? No, sit here, you watch what I'm watching. <laughs> so then it's kind of like getting them kind of, you know, I'm not pushing you, but it's like, hey, this is just what we're doing now. You watch enough of it, then, you know, you start to get that love for the game. So with um, me and my brother was kind of, I'm in the house and at the time there's one television and like, Hey, the Lakers versus the Pistons are on. So that's what we watching. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. My brother watching Dr. J, then we all watching Dr. J. So it was kind of one of those things where it wasn't pushing me in that direction. But if you're always around it, then obviously you're going to take a liking to it. And then once I did, and I was like, all right, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to play an NBA. And he was like, oh, oh, you real? Okay. So now let's get to work. And like, I was a young boy doing that. Now with my son now, I'm kind of like, hey, it's still your choice, you're eight years old, but it's kind of like, we're just gonna work out 20 minutes a day, three times a week right now. So it's not a full push, but it's kind of like this. It's a big ass nudge. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you're just, you're just gonna make sure it's tight if you if you want to do it. But, uh, you know, it, it kind of started like that. And my, my brother's always been with me throughout my, my journey, you know, he's, not just my big bro, he's my, my best friend, you know, he's my mentor, you know, he's sensei, you right. know what I'm saying? So any major decision I've made in my life never came from just I, it's, it's, it's we. Hmm. So, you know, he, he's, he's always there. He's always been a positive force, you know, he, you know, graduated college, got his master's, you know, so he always, you know, pretty much uh, paved the way and, he was such a good leader, you know, the example he set, it was easy for me to follow. You know, he's a guy who always stayed away from any drugs or um, anything that's going off of that positive route. So it, it was really easy for just, hey, let me follow this guy. And then when I'm watching games, oh, okay, I like Magic Johnson. He's nice. Or I like Penny Hardaway or, or Reggie Miller or John Starks because, you know, he gives 100% effort uh, every second he's on the court. So it, it made it easier. But when I really talk about like my role model and who I followed and looked after, it's, it's my big bro. And that's, that's to this to this day, you know, when um, I was uh, I was actually working with the ACC uh, network on yeah. digital network yeah. before I got into coaching. And I was like, hey, man, you know, I'm doing this. And, you know, they're about to have the ACC network in a couple of years, but I could keep doing games. And, you know, I feel like I'm good at this. And he was like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, you know, I always wanted to get into coaching. And he said, well, can you always get into coaching? And I said, well, maybe or maybe not. Yeah. So he said, well, if you have an opportunity, you know, go for it. But there isn't no half in, half out. If you're going, you all the way in. If you're not, then you stay where you are. And you, you be content with your happiness. And, you know, the word content to me, I'm like, I don't, I don't like that word. I'm not content right? ever. Like I'm always improving. Everyone around me has to always improve. 
you know, so I said, you know what, I'm going to go coaching and, and, and it's been a, you know, good decision for me, but my, my, my big bro, he's always been every step of the way throughout my journey, you know, who been coaching, uh, business, uh, investments, real estate decisions, any decision I make, he's always there. So, you know, that's my guy. Mm. That's beautiful. Um, you mentioned real estate. I'm curious, are you invested in real estate? Yes, 100%. North Carolina? Yeah. Okay, we're going to have to have some conversations later. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I've been looking hey, at... I can't ever take full credit of that. That's My wife did a, a magnificent job of picking where we should uh, have our home or homes and... Yeah, she's she's really smart. So that's okay. my ace right there. So so that that reflects beautiful. that reflects highly upon yourself because you knew to compliment yourself with somebody superior to you in certain regards. So kudos to you <laughs> and that vision because that's dope. And, and shout <laughs> out and shout out to her. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, legit baby. <laughs> Go ahead, it, it, it's a testament to like who you who you keep around you speaks highly of who you are, who you will be in your life. So I think just having yourself, your, your brother and your wife now, it speaks tremendously. And also in your youth, and let me just say this real quick, because, you know, we went to high school together. Shout out St. Raymond High School, you know what I mean? Of which this man is a legend. He has literally the the, the highest jersey on the wall yeah, of St. Raymond in the Bronx. Like, his is the literally... if. Every jersey there gets dwarfed by his. So yeah, your shit's so, massive. It's fucked up. He's a big deal, right? It's he's fucked a big, up, Hodge. Fucking, fucking lanky motherfucker it. got the biggest ass jersey in the place. He got he lanky <laughs> and his jersey lanky. But, you know, I just want to say, like, I re- you know, you spoke about um um Pat Nosh, and I just feel like from the beginning, it feels like you've had always good mentorship. You know, whether that be your big brother mm-hmm. or whether that be your coaches, etc. Uh, just speak a little bit about that, about maybe people outside of your big brother, uh, as far as who influenced you, et cetera, to be the kind of ball player and then man that you are as well. Yeah, um, obviously my mom, um, she's, you know, one of one, number four, none to come. Um, mm. With the way not only she raised me, but also my older brother, my younger sister. Um, I think her only bad decision may have been was... Um, I don't, I, I don't have one for you. You know what I'm saying? That, that's just how I, I feel about that woman. Um, and then uh, in terms of coaches, obviously, you know, Coach Pat Nosh uh, gave me an opportunity. Um, Coach Scott, uh, still Scott at to uh, be. St. Raymond. Yeah, Scott, Scott to be, you know, that, that's my guy. Uh, I got a story about Scott also. I will go to, my brother would send me to St. Raymond's camps uh, from, about fifth grade through eighth grade. So that's how I knew like all the old time, all the OGs, you know, Hoopers at uh, St. Ray's. Uh, Wait, I'm sorry. I, I'm, so, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Wh- why? Why would your brother send you to Ravens camps knowing, I mean, there's, there's distance there, right? There's plenty of stuff happening in Harlem. Why Why yeah, the Rice, Bronx? Rice High School. Right. Right. Um, at the time, you know, he felt like, uh, the St. Raymond's, their school, um, the location being away from where we were in Harlem, because at the time in Harlem, you know, it was really rough. Yep. Not to say it wasn't in the Bronx or some places there, sure. but uh, 
Paul Chester in terms of where that was, where uh, Coach DeCesa was building in his program, and then the success that he was seeing from all of the guys, it, it, it made it an easy, you know, decision. And he was, you know, a, a St. Ray's fan. Your brother. So, uh, big time. Oh, big okay. time. St. Ray's fan. You know, all his all his guys, his boys were at St. Ray's. Um, so it, it, it made it easy for him to send me, you know, to the camp. And I got there and I was able to meet all the guys and just being around it. And um, Coach Scott, I remember I was uh, in sixth grade. So it was the summer I was going into seventh and he was like, he's like, Julius, he's like, where are you going for high school? I was like, you know, I, I don't know yet. Like he, I'm thinking of junior high school. Uh, he's like, you know, he's like, I want you to come to St. Raymond's. We'll give you a full scholarship. You'll be the starting point guard on my freshman team. I said, I said, but I'm only going to seventh grade. He said, what? I was like, yeah, man. Like, oh, okay. He was like, you know what? You got to make sure you, you come back next summer. Like, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be here. So, uh, you know, Coach Scott, that, that's always been my guy. Um, obviously, uh, Coach Sturgis, along with um, Coach Panache, Coach DeCesar, uh didn't take no bull crap. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as I know, you know, Coach was a dean at, at uh, St. Ray's, and he made yeah. sure, you know, a guy stayed in line. Um, the head coach uh, at the Rays, and you know he just never took no shorts. I remember a story. Uh, <laughs> this was my sophomore year, so I had just finished playing freshman my entire freshman year. Now this is way back, so guys nowadays are not deserving to be freshmen playing varsity, but coaches will recruit them and have them do it just so they can have them go to the school. Yeah, it wasn't like that back then. Like if you was a freshman playing varsity, you was. Kenny Anderson or Andre Barrett. Like, everybody ain't do that. So um, I, I played freshman as a freshman. Started out my sophomore year, tried out for varsity. Got cut. Me and Anthony Epps were the two last cuts. Get out. Um, I didn't know this. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's crazy. Um, and I had heard uh, um, Anthony was like, yeah, you know, Judy's going to try out. He's going to get cut. So then when we both in there, I'm thinking I'm about to make the team because I knew I was cooking. Right. So we both got cut. <laughs> And he was like, well, you guys can still, Gary D was like, you know, you guys can still play JD. And I was like, yeah, duh. Uh, <laughs> uh, I went to JD and, you know, I'm not, I'm not huge on demotions. So I went down there and I literally was like, I am going to tear this up. So I remember one game, uh, we was playing against All Hollows. Uh, and I had about 27 and a half. And then in the second half, we was up by about 20, 25 points. And, it, like, the game just got boring. I was like, yo, I don't even want to play. I, like, sub myself out. I was like, yo, this isn't challenging for me. And I'm, like, on a bench, like, this bull crap. And we're up 20. And um, RIP culture really was like, Jews, you all right? I was like, I'm good. I was like, but this is bull crap. Like, it's too easy. Like, and I wasn't even trying to be cocky or anything. It was like, it was the truth. I was like, I'm not getting better doing this. And I was a guy I always played up. So when I was 13, I was playing 16 and under. Uh, when I was 14, I was playing 17 and under, playing against grown men in the summers, the pros. Like my brother would take me to the um, the workouts at John Jay College with uh, legendary coach Tim Couch. Mm. I will play against the pro players, overseas pros, NBA. So playing with my age, I was like, man, this is real crap. So now I remember after that game, uh, 
my myself and my brother were, had a, a meeting with Coach DeCesa. And my brother was like, yo, he's bored. He's playing JV. This isn't challenging him. And Coach Gary D was like, well, you know, if he played varsity, you know, we have a McDonald's All-American starting point guard. We have Kendall Holloman, who was a senior guard, getting buckets. Greg Martin, Carl Nickerson, like the team was Damn. stacked. You know, Chris McCray, who was in my year, was playing Voss. Like, dudes were, were nice. He was like, you know, he could play D, D. Miller or Pete Mulligan, you know, uh, Matt Augusto. So he's like, if you play, he probably won't play a lot. I was like, man, I don't care. Because at the time, you know, Boston, you got all the gear. Yeah. You know? So they got all the sneakers. You got yeah. like three pairs of sneakers. You got the Walmarts or the jersey. Like, it was popping. Yo, yo, it's, <laughs> yo, it is amazing. I mean, I, I get it, right? Y'all was, I was envious as hell, right? Uh, just being a student, seeing y'all. But how significant that is among the basketball talent in the yeah. city. Like, everybody's always mentioned it. It was like, yo, Gary D and the gear. Like, that was, nah, it was crazy. unanimous. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. So, you know, for me, it was an easy decision. But then when I actually got on the team, I'm practicing. And, you know, I'm trying to guard Majestic every play. I'm like, no, I'm getting better. Like, I'm going to lock you up. Just taking me to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it was a little light for him. But as the year went on, you know, I got better. Because I got moved up, like, midway, almost midway through. Um, and then uh, I remember I had one opportunity. Uh, Jess uh, and, like, four of the guys on the team, Kendall, a bunch of guys, uh, got suspended. Um, I believe the game before we were on the road somewhere and Gary D is like, yo, we got curfew, but they were having a party downstairs <laughs> <laughs> for all the teams. So everybody went there, including myself. I'm like, man, look at this. Like, right. I'm trying to see what that be like down at the party. So, you know, we all went. Majestic took it on his chest. You know, it's like, yo, it's my idea. So um, the seniors, most of the seniors were suspended. So we played against Lincoln. And at the time, Lincoln had Eric King. Um, they had another dude who went uh, high D. I can't remember his name. But, like, they were ranked in the city. Like, they were really good. And my sophomore year, I only played 33 minutes my entire year. Oh, wow. Like, that's it. And in that game, I played 24. You know, um, and I had 14 points. Uh, I was in the news the next day. I had my picture. I was like, oh, I am popping. I have arrived. You know, know, I'm here now, you know. But then I went on to play, like, you know, nine more minutes. The rest of the the way. (laughs) But, uh, you know, Gary D, um, when I went to college, uh, I had – our head coach, Coach Sinek, but also in, uh, one of the, his assistants, uh, Kenya Hunter, who's now an assistant coach at UConn. Like, that's my dude. Like, he was one of the huge reasons why, you know, alongside my brother, uh, I would speak with him. And he was like, yeah, geez, you need to get into coaching. Mm. Like, you know, I've watched you for, you know, he was with us at NC State maybe three of my years in college. And he said, you know, I've, I've watched you grow. And like you're made for this. He's like, you'll do a great job doing this, this, this teaching the next guys up. Um, so I, I've always had a, a lot of great influences in terms of positive dudes um, who, you know, saw some light in me. Hold on. Yeah, sorry. I, I think I just muted you. Go, Emilio. 
Oh no, you good. Yo, so, yo, so that's beautiful. My, so I don't I don't want to jump into college just yet because San Raymond for me was, you know, that's mm-hmm. where we met, but not just because of where we met, but I think it's his very Gary D just Gary D just uh text. He just texts you? No. Wow. Yeah. We just gotta get him on this. Make yeah, make sure you tell him this. to get his Zoom game up because I need him I, on this I was show. Just talking to him, talking about him, and my guy hit me up. That's dope. That's man. beautiful, man. Let's see yeah. how that works. The universe, baby. Dude, the universe never God. fails, baby. Hey, God, God be knowing, man. Yeah, he be <laughs> knowing. <laughs> you, he my question to you is because I remember so many um, great games, man, uh, that you guys had in in your time as in playing the boss. Um, tell me about some of your most memorable games against which teams a little bit. Um, I know you guys had the championship game at Fordham. I'm trying to remember which year it was. Yeah, I won both years. Yeah, they had two yeah, two championships. Yeah. Okay, it was. Yeah. Okay, it's my bad. So just talk to me because y'all had a lot of battles at Rice especially, but it doesn't have to be that if that's not what it is for you. Talk to me about like what your most memorable experience or game was uh, with us because yeah, I know there were so, so many, so many. All right, so uh, one game, well, we beat, we beat up on Rice my junior year four times in a row, and they were, like, mm. ranked top three in the country. Like, those dudes were real. Like, they had yeah. Kyle Cuff. Kyle Cuff was amazing. That's an amazing yes. big man. Ended up going to St. John's. Andre yes. Sweet yeah. ended up going to Duke. Uh, Andre Barrett went to Seton Hall. That's right. These guys were – Kev Bell, they, they were stacked. Like, it was, it was different. Um, yes. Yes. But we just had their number, and I think a huge part of that wasn't because of me or me scoring, or even Pete Pete Mully scoring. Yes. Like Pete used to Pete used to cook. Light it up. He used uh, to get a bucket and, and sweets just because for him it was you know it's personal, and those are his guys. So those are his friends. Um, right. But I think with uh, Matt Augusto, Matt, Matt Augustine, him guarding Dre, like he used to really like put the mat lock. Matlock, baby, Lock. that's Matlock. Like it was, it was really like serious. Like, and Matt is a nice guy. Y'all know oh, Matt, like super saying, sweet hey, dude. How you doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. like if I get a head job, like Matt coming with me, like that's right. my dude. Yeah, 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 but like yeah, Matt will like he'll do that, and then he'll get on court. Got to hear Drake blocking yeah. that up. And I'm like, yo. <laughs> Let's go, man. Like, we used to hype up, man. Me, me and Miller, like me and Miller, used to be like, let's go. Like, Yo, it's so, uh, it's not even like a sarcastic thing. Like, like he is literally like one of the nicest human beings. Nicest period. Dude ever. <laughs> And I know, and I, and all of, all of his teammates say the same thing. Like he was a pit bull animal out there on the court. As right. soon as he stepped off out of them lines, it was like back to you know Mr. Rogers, like yeah, cool was, cat. Was, that's a fact, cool cool cat. But uh, like in practice every day, like he guarded me. He like yo, Juice, I'm the only one that could guard you. I know your moves. I was like, I don't have no moves. I've created, bro. Like he used to be. I used to. Be, I would tell you he was fouling me. But right. he'll be like, nah, I was locking you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Matt, Matt, nah, Matt really had it, man. But um, one game in high school, um, you know what? I could always go back to my junior year. We had a scrimmage game. You know, I go before that. So right before our junior year started, um, before we actually start going to classes, I was playing in this, uh, I believe it was Nike Riverside tournament. Uh, I was playing with Gauchos. 
and I was playing with most of the guys who was at the time at Manhattan Center. Um, so uh, my man uh, Levi Levine, Jared Brown, uh, Big Marcel, uh, Dave Seals was playing on our team, Malik McCullough. Like, we had a good team, but we was playing against Riverside in the championship. They had all the dudes I wanted to play against. Old Cook starting at the point. Mike Boynton, co-point guard, starting at backcourt. That, that St. John's, that South Carolina, like, that backcourt was crazy. Mm. You have to go back to that time when you're talking about guys you call by their whole name. Yeah. Like, Omar Cook was Omar Cook since seventh grade. Mike <laughs> Boynton was Mike Boynton since seventh grade. Like, these were the two dudes in the city. That team had Willie Shaw. Um, Kyle Cuff was, was on that too, right? St. John's. Kyle Cuff was on that team. Uh, Andre Sweet. Mm. Uh, Terrence Watkins, who was uh, at Bishop Lockdown with uh, Mike Boynton. Like, uh, that big Zach, who's at Christ the King, who went to Ohio State. Like, that team was assembled. Like, that shit was like. It was like an evil X-Men. Like, <laughs> it was crazy. Like the amount of talent. So all summer, like I'm preparing for this tournament so I can play against them because I was always playing with Gauchos leading in, into that uh, junior year because I, I got cut from the Ravens for playing for 17s. I had a late birthday, so they wanted me to play the younger team. Mm. And I was like, nah, that ain't happening. So I went to play with Gauchos. I could play 18 and under, you know, against older guys. So we get to this tournament and I'm hyped. I've been doing my thing all summer. I'm like, yeah, this one, everybody gonna know who I am. I go out there, bro, I'm missing layup, layup, open threes. It's like, it's literally a lid on the rim. Like I played terrible. They beat us. Oh, that was Showtime was on our team too, went to St. John's. Like we were stacked. But they they beat us by a couple points. And I'm just pissed. So after the game, I don't shake nobody's hand. I just leave. Like I leave my brother in the stands. Uh my my, my man, my my boy, like my brother, uh Dante Croft, he now coaches at Gauchos. That's that's my man. I leave everybody. I just start walking. And the tournament's at Riverbank State Park. So, you know, from the gym, the walk all the way up back to the avenue, that's like a truth. Yeah. So they like run up and catch up to me and they're like, yo, you all right? I'm like, get off me. Like, <laughs> everybody, don't talk to me. And they're like, yo, we didn't do nothing. Right. Like, my brother's like, yo, you been hooping all summer, you might be tired. I was like, no, I ain't, I ain't tired. Like, I don't want to talk to nobody. Like, I went straight home, got my ball, <clears throat> straight to the park. But it's crazy as a hooper, I'm thinking about it. I remember when I'm leaving, and obviously, you know, the church should be happy. They just won a championship. You know, dudes are congratulating each other. And I saw Omar Cook and Mike smiling. Not at me, to each other. Yeah. But in my head, I was like, Bet. okay. <laughs> I can't wait. So, you know. <laughs> you took that joint personal. Super personal. Dudes wasn't even doing anything wrong to me. But, like, in my head as a competitor, it was like, okay, y'all fool. Y'all don't even know it yet. Right, right. Y'all already dead in the water. <laughs> So we went into the season. We beat Christy King, who was ranked top 10 in the nation. Bishop Lachlan uh, with Mike, uh, who was ranked top 15. We beat Rice four times. Like, we literally beat everybody. and Nobody in the city could beat us that year. And so we, we had, like, a, a, a great run. You, so you played, you basically played with a chip on your shoulder at that time. Because had to. Of that experience you had. Yo, you know what's funny, man? Let me, let me just backtrack just a little bit because I I knew at the time, you know, we from the Bronx and I was getting to know you in high school. I immediately knew you from Harlem 
because you had a little extra swag with you. It was the way that Bronx cats don't really necessarily have, <laughs> and it was it comes off as a little bit vibrant and cocky, but you yeah, backed right. it the fuck up. Don't right? tell him hey. that shit because that's what he wants to hear. Don't no, tell him was that. Nah, it's, it's, was these are all facts, Emilio. No, but seriously, yo, was you you would say nah, you I was, was the cocky. original swaggy P. No, 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 no. This is the, I'm saying you was cocky. Nah, I don't know fact. about swag. You're right. <laughs> no, but anyway, anyway, no, but I say that because for me, it, it looked like you use things to kind of like motivate you. It's like, it's like, for example, right? You walk in a gym and you mad cocky, right? And let's say a person like myself walk up to you, like, yo, talk shit. Like, man, you ain't shit. It was like, kind of like you were bringing that to like add it to your armor of like, I, I'm going to show you kind of thing. And I'm not That's saying right. that to say that it was my experience. I'm just saying you just look for ways to better yourself and just being you, just like, yo, I'm going to be extra because that's me. Because even then, like the time you just expressed, it, was, it wasn't it was nothing that they did personally. just whooped your ass and you was off on your game. They didn't do nothing to you. Exactly. It was, uh, that's literally the way it was. You know, um, I, I just think with life in general, you have to use instances to motivate yourself. That's it. Like if, like and I, I, I talk, I talk about this all the time with our guys, of our players. Um, if I have to motivate you, if I have to go, it, it skips yourself or your peers or your parents or school or being successful or God, and it has to get all the way to a coach have to be the one to motivate you. Then you just ain't got it, bro. Mm. You ain't got it. <laughs> And that's okay. Like, if you don't have it, that's okay. But let's not perpetrate like you are that. Like, if you need some, like someone else to tell you, you need to do this to be great or be good or whatever. So you always have to find that within. And for me, it was just picking this here, this instance here. We played LaSalle my sophomore year. Uh, Sorry, Mrs. V, Mr. Latino. Uh, <laughs> Spanish oh, <man>. teacher. <laughs> I got to say this. So she knew we had a game that night. I could not get detention. And, you know, you know, really, we were class clowns. But with Mrs. V, you know, we were chill in her class. And she was like, all right, Juice, stop it. Don't say nothing else. I'm like, everybody talking. I can't talk. She's like, say one more word. I'm going to give you detention. I was like, all right. You was so like, it's like, word. Hey, it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm going to say something. I'm like, all right, Mrs. V, we had a great day. She said, all right, that's it. Five minutes. Oh! <laughs> and my bad. I, yo, for some reason, when you said Valentino, I thought Spanish. But no, that, that's uh, Coach Lopez's wife, right? She yes, was an English yes, teacher. Yes, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's, yes. that's the homie. That's but hilarious. She was, she was joking, but it was like a two-minute detention. It wasn't even a real detention. Sadia, oh. yeah, I know Sadia. Oh. The Dean of Deans. Right. <laughs> like, right. He was Bane walking through the hall. Yeah, he like, was. Yo, Sadia, he'll play. So he walks by. He's like, oh, Julie, you have detention? You have a game today. I was like, this isn't real detention. We just chilling. <laughs> and she's looking at me like, oh, crap. I'm sorry. I'm like, no, Sadia, we good. Like, I'm playing it cool. He's like, nope, you ain't playing today. I'm like, I told you. Why are you playing like this, Miss V? Like, <laughs> So now I leave, I leave. I go right to the locker room. I'm getting dressed like, yo, we got an early game. I'm playing, don't play with me. (laughs) If we play against LaSalle and they had Famous Brown, who at the time was a sophomore, he was like top three in the city. Mm -hmm. 
So this is my opportunity. I know our team is better than their team. We're going to blow them out. So I'm going to get the play some. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm like waiting for this game. I want to go boss because at the time, famous, famous and Teddy Brown, um, Teddy Mufflet, those were the two guys in the city in my class. So I get to the locker room and I am go to my locker and I'm like, hmm, my locker's empty. There's no jersey, no sneakers. Everybody else is filled. I'm like, wow. Where the, like, where the F right. is my, my, my jersey? Stop playing and with me right now. <laughs> stop. But Justin is like wide smiling, like, yo, Jules, it was good, right? I'm like, yo, where's my jersey? So then I shoot out of there. But Justin saw, I was serious. He's like, yo, Jules, chill. I go to Gary D office. I'm like, yo, where my jersey? Blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to say what I was saying, but I'm going off like I'm pissed. He like, you got detention. I said, you get detention. Come. I said, it wasn't even real detention. I was like, you know what? F this, I'm transferring, I'm going to right. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> you told him that? Straight up, I slammed the door, and then Yo. I'm not going to say what I did to the window. His window, <laughs> very disrespectful. Oh, man. So I, I jet out of the, the building, right? And then Sadia comes out. Like, before I leave, Sadia's talking to Gary, like, go get him. And it wasn't really detention. I was just... So then Sadia comes running out. You know, Sadia don't be killed. Nah, he don't Sadia care. comes out like, Yo. It's all right, Julius, you got to leave. That's my bad. And this, but he saw that, how it escalated. I was like, nah, man, forget this. Like, I'm going to Rice. I'm, I'm going to go to FDA. I don't care. I'm going to play and I'm going I'm to cook y'all. Like, <laughs> so I had like a three-day hiatus. I was like, man, forget this. Like, I'm, my brother was like, like, he's just listening to me. He's like, yeah, all of that you said you're going to do, none of that's going to happen. <laughs> He's like, are you done? He's like, you want to go work out? I was like, yeah, all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that was it. <laughs> Yo, wait a minute. But yeah. I, I'm curious because, I mean, again, I, I didn't play for Voss or anything like that, so I, I didn't know the season the way you knew the season. But I'm mm-hmm. curious because we were, I know I can speak for many high school students at the time. We were very intimidated by him. Like he was, you know, like a, a monstrosity of a man, and he always – Talk straight and loud if he had to. He didn't really care. But when you went off on him, what what was the expected reaction? What was his reaction? I'm just curious as to what that was like after. Because it feels like just watching games on the sideline, he screaming and he turned red. He would go off. Yeah, it was yeah. red. So what the hell happened yeah, yeah, with yeah. you? Yeah, Gary D didn't take no shorts from nobody. He was extremely calm. Like, I know you're not playing. So what are you going to do? <laughs> like literally just like what are you going to do you know so I, I had my three days of being you know being upset or whatever but you know I didn't quit the team or nothing like I literally I, I didn't want to say this part but I walked back I had to sit on the bench and watch the game mm. in my clothes and I was pissed but then like after that I was like man forget this I'm transferring like oh I gotta sit out of here if I go to rice I'm gonna go to FDA I don't care like I'm leaving and my brother was like, yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Wow. That ain't happening. Let's go work out. So, But, but Gary D wasn't even tripping because he already made his decision. And it's like, my decision is my decision. Yeah. So you, you know the rules. We don't, we don't, you get detention, you don't play. If you don't have over 3.0, you're not playing. Do, you know do, you, do you feel like that was a humbling experience? That was a, it was a necessary experience for you at the time? Or did, you, did it help mold you grow? Or, or did you feel like, damn, it was still... You should have played. How do you? How do no, you? No, no, I'm still pissed about it. Nah, <laughs> I'm, 
nah, I wanted to play. Like, nah, like famous have, that was my trophy of being one of the top players in that class. I wanted to cook him. <laughs> so no, nah. You talk about fame was a slam magazine at the time. They was like pumping them. I'm like, fame was good though. Fame was good. But I'm like, I don't remember fame ever getting the best of me growing up. So yeah, we're going to have to debunk all this top <laughs> player stuff. And that was my opportunity. I ain't kidding. Fame, you still my guy. Yeah. Yo, so, so you, uh, uh, we're going to skip around a little bit, but, um, you, you cooked, sounds like your G- junior and senior year were like the height of, of your high school career, right? Obviously with your yes, senior year being sure. out of here, um, you got a lot of looks nationally from, you know, recruitment wise. Um, I know many cats that have been recruited usually don't get the letters themselves. Were you getting your letters or was it Gary D holding them all and then kind of telling you what was up? Gary D was holding all of them. Um, And then it must have been that after my junior year, he brought me in the office and then he showed me all of the mail I got. And it was like, it was letters from everywhere in the country. So I'm just looking at them and I read maybe the first five and then I was like, uh, okay, like I'm good now. <laughs> like I'm not reading all these, like 500 letters. Right. I'm not reading all these, it's, it's ridiculous. But I remember my first one I got um, that I opened was from Yale. Wow. And I was like, wow. I was like, this is crazy. That is like, nuts. I would 100% go here. Like, but you know, obviously the caliber of play I continue to grow into, they probably felt like, nah, we can't get him. But they're wrong. When you're a when you, when you're a prestigious university like that, you're in with any kid, mm. with any parent immediately, boom, this is life changing connections, uh, high level degree, you're in the door. Um, so that's that's literally one thing uh, as a coach I picked up on, like, hey, if I'm ever at an extremely high academic institution. I know I could get in with any kid because that degree is valuable. That $300,000, $400,000 degree over the course of four years, like that's valuable to employers after you graduate. Facts. Um, but but yeah, I, I, it was a, a ton of schools. Um, I ended up cutting my list down to, um, it was North Carolina, NC State, Maryland, Syracuse and Florida. Florida had just um, made a run on a national championship with uh, Mike Miller and Brett Nelson. They were nice. Ted Dupay and Udonis Haslam, mm-hmm. they were nice at the time. So I was rocking with them. Um, Syracuse was my, my school since I was a young buck. I always loved Syracuse. Lawrence Moten, um, Derek Coleman, uh, Alan, Alan Griffin, who was in the public school league, but uh, I was a huge fan of his. He played with the Gauchos. Um, Maryland at the time uh, with Gary Williams, they, they had a really, really talented group. Um, they were ACC, always wanted to play ACC. Lonnie Baxter? Lonnie Baxter, Juan Dixon, Steve Blake. Um, it, was, it was crazy. Um, uh, who else? Obviously, State and then North Carolina. Um, I wanted to play, like, who isn't a North Carolina fan growing up, right? right? So I want to make sure 
I'm respectful to my Wolfpack fans, so I don't want to say that they're crazy. Yeah, don't, because so, yeah. you you're like a megastar among the yeah. alumni, <laughs> so be careful. Yeah, yeah. Choose yeah, the next words careful. carefully, Jules. <laughs> no, not saying nothing bad, but just in terms of giving UNC props. Yeah. At the time, they had a um a very a notable and respected degree. I would say that at the time, at the time. Yep. Um. And then also in terms of hoop, I mean, those dudes was killing it, you know, and they, they were uh, known for going to New York City, getting a really good player. And then, you know, obviously having a ton of good players all around their team. So um, that was my list. I cut it down to um, everybody, you know, offered or wanted me, you know, the Dukes, the Kansases, uh, the Kentuckys. How do you um, say no and back then? So this is always what boggles my mind. And I understand <laughs> There's a lot that goes into the decision making, right? Um, I th- yep. you know I think ego plays a part. I think you know under- assessing what real opportunity you have to actually play consistently is a big part mm-hmm. of it. Um, academically, I think also needs to be weighed into the decision making, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and who you're coming in with, right? Who the incoming class? I think all all those things and more play a part. Distance, etc. But like when I look, especially in the last. 20 30 years like how do you say no to how do you say no to a duke how do you say no to a unc no disrespect to the wolf pack how do you mm-hmm. say no for you in particular for us new york dudes how do you say no to a jim Beheim? like yeah especially yeah. you just mentioned right that was like your, your team growing up like yeah what was your thought process and how did you end up with no because i know it was a shocker i know there was news around why you know you picking state uh, of all mm-hmm. the options walk, walk us through that yeah um for me i was going to go to the school where uh the head coach recruited me the hardest and it was that simple if you want me you're gonna have to do your work do your due diligence um attention to detail and you're gonna i'm gonna have to see your face hear from you a lot and you know a lot of those schools or coaches and for whatever reasons it, it wasn't happening the way i wanted it to um, Jim Beheim only probably had to go to about five of my games in the summer, and I probably would have went to Syracuse. Like, I was that big of a fan. Right. Um, and for whatever reasons, you know, that wasn't the case, um, even though I knew I was their number one target. Mm. Um, uh, things I probably don't want to go into, but uh, this is what I learned through my experiences as a player. Um, when you have a kid on campus on an official visit, you want to have him around kids on a team who you feel comfortable with 100%. So you don't want to have him around a guy maybe who isn't really playing a lot because he, maybe he's not going to have the most flattering things to say yeah. about your program. Might be disgruntled um, and not not really, uh, yeah. 100%. And not saying I would make my decision but or his decision, yeah. but you always want to put your best foot forward you also don't want to have them around any knuckleheads yeah. who's probably going to be doing something, you know, um, illegal or something morally dead. Um, and I think on, um, I would say maybe one of my visits, that's what I, I came across and immediately it turned me off. Mm. Um, so it didn't matter how hard the assistant coach was coaching me or, um, how much I might have liked this about a school or how much I may have liked that school. Like once you're turned off, you're turned off. That's it. Um, 
And then when it comes down to, you know, how are they recruiting you in any school? And if you're one of three, well, I don't like one of three. I want to be the top guy. So at the time for Maryland, they were recruiting me as their second target. Yeah. And Jawal Williams was their top target, um, who ended up going to UNC. Um, NC State, I was their number one target all along. Right. And I knew that. And then, you know, um, to be honest, looking at the team they had coming back, I thought if I was added uh, added piece, you know, we would be able to have a really good team. We had Anthony Grundy, RIP, uh, that was my senior leader my senior year. Um, he was killing ACC at the time. And we also had uh, Damian Wilkins, um, Joe Wilkins' uh, son, Dominique Wilkins' uh, nephew. Uh, so Archie Miller, who's now the head coach at uh, Indiana, was also on that team. So I knew we had some pieces um, going in if you were to add me to that. Um, so it just felt comfortable um, going there. And then the way Coach Sendak recruited me, I knew I was the number one guy. I knew I was going into a situation where I would be able to have success. You know, a, a lot of times, and it's just it's funny, um, and it's crazy because I saw this, so that's how I know I would never be a part of it. But in recruiting, people would say, oh, okay. You know, and my parents were married. Um, it wasn't the best marriage. Um, and my dad eventually got deported because of uh, some things he was doing um, back to Antigua, or where he's from. But... Um, my parents were married. My my brother was heavy in my life. Um, we weren't the rich family, but we were in terms of monetarily, but in terms of love, we were extremely rich and healthy at a healthy union, healthy household. Um, but when you get into this recruiting, man, people are trying to buy you. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. So I give your your brother or your mom a six-figure job. Uh we'll give you one hundred and something thousand. Uh Oh, you're a Yankee fan? Uh, do you want playoff tickets to see the Yankees? Yeah, I love the Yankees. You know, I, I look outside my window, I saw the old Yankee stadium. But, you know, at the time, I wasn't a heavy baseball guy. I could care less about going to the Yankee game. Like, you don't have to buy, you know. Um, and I think with me going through that at the time, you know, I was 16 years old going on these official visits by myself. And I'm hearing all this. And then, you know, they call in my brother and they're saying all these things. Certain places uh it, it really let me know like yo you ain't buy, you, excuse me you're not going to buy me and then once my mom got wind of it it was like all right you're not going here you're not going here you're not going here pick where you're going right there <laughs> These two. like we're not bringing no more new schools and you got to make a choice wow so um I, I think if you you know you practice honest recruiting you don't just try to buy um in your head what you perceive as a poor um family uh urban family if you just do it the right way instead and you're honest and you're truthful then you'll get what you want and i felt like with nc state you know that, that's exactly what what they got mm. jules let me say man because um I, I think first of all thank you for that because i'm pretty sure we got a lot of youth that uh, are probably in the situation that you were in at the time and that, that watch this and this that lends a lot of insight something that we couldn't share because we never had that experience myself and my brother so that's a beautiful thing because i think it's easier to be sold by a school because you know the glitter and gold you know what i mean a lot of people especially exactly. especially when you come and coming from where we come from not having much you know what i mean in terms mm -hmm. of monetarily anyway speaking but exactly. i think 
it's beautiful that it's just a, it's also a testament to how you were raised and your upbringing of like still consistently thinking about the details of like being being made to feel important about uh, as you as a person and a ball player the details that went into like you as a as a man I think that is exemplary but here's my question to you because this is something I always had a question about now that we're talking about you and NC State now we can piggyback about more but so two two questions. What position did you think, like, what position would you say you were? Because when I saw you in St. Raymond, you, I felt you were the off, you played the wing. Am I, am mm-hmm. I right? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You played the wing. But when I saw you in NC State, you were on the ball. You were the one. That's right. That's what, right. what, why the transition? Did you see yourself as a one going into <laughs> the program? Or was it like you always wanted to play the one and you just didn't have the chance because St. Raymond already had that? Yeah, I, I think with um, that, that's a good question too. Um, going into my senior year at St. Raymond's, we play AAU, and I was the point. Right, I, I played point the entire summer. Um, so going back into high school ball, I was off the ball because we had a Dayon Merritt, Allen Ray. You know, you know, we had guys at that position, which was okay with me. You know, I was I was trying to get a bucket. But the way NC State recruited me, Coach always said, you know, eventually I envision you as, you know, your junior year, you'll be the starting point guard for us. To me, that sounded all well and dandy, but, you know, who knows three years into the future? I may not even be here anymore. You know what I'm saying? So my thing was, you're a guard. And as a guard, you should be able to shoot, shoot, handle the ball, pass. And at my size, I should be able to rebound. I should be able to defend one through four positions. So I always looked at it that way. And it's, it's funny because now that's where basketball is going. You know, yeah. they're like, well, this guy's a point guard, is he? Is Russell Westbrook a point guard? You know, he's just a really good guard. Right. You know, Steph Curry, a point guard? That's a good I don't point. know. He's, a, he's the best shooter guard ever, but he could dribble and pass and create. So, um, you know, what I like to look at is, all right, you're a guard. So don't tell me you're one or you're this or that, you know, you could call it a combo guard because you have to be able to do everything. You have to be able to shoot. You have to be able to pass. You have to be able to break a guy down one-on-one. You have to be able to maneuver in ball screens. You have to be able to make the right reads in ball screens and transition. You got to be able to make quick moves instinctively, not stuff where you got a cone in front of you and you're doing five different moves and none of that bull crap, you know, YouTube or IG clip stuff. Like you got to really be able to get around the dude instinctively. And if you can do that, then you're a guard. Which you want to be the one guard? All right, you're the point guard. You want to be the two? All right, you're the two. You want to be the three? Because now in basketball, it's four guards. <laughs> the, uh, the Houston Rockets play five guards. Right, right. So right. what guard you want? You want to be the five guard? I don't care what guard you are. You're a guard, bro. Like, so, so so, with me, that it, wasn't, it didn't really play a, a big role. Because I know once you're on that court, you're a play. That's it. And back in the day, point guards were what? In the 80s, or obviously um, excluding magic and how you change the game, but you know, mostly back in the day, it was game managers. So, what were they doing? They just knew all the plays, knew where everybody needed to go. They passed the ball to the wing and they get the hell out the way. Mm -hmm. That was the point guard. Right. They wasn't playing the ball screens, or they'll dribble a ball from the middle to point guard, push the wing through, dribble over, and throw the ball into Carl Malone in the post. Right, or Bernard King, or whomever. And let them cook. That's it. Yeah. And then everybody else was literally all inside the paint, 
and there was no space. In the, like, so what is a point guard? Yeah, that was, but, guard. was okay. But even even then, I think it was futuristic thinking, in my opinion, from your coach to to do that because it wasn't in my at the time. And just just breaking down what you just explained, at the yeah. time, point guards weren't like it is today. Like you know, like you said, the one through five guard or whatever. I get that part. That's right. I do. That's right. But I think for back then, it was kind of like futuristic thinking. My question is, he said to you in about your junior year, he envisions you as a point guard. Did that have to do with what he saw of you? recruiting you over the years did he watch you aau or was it he just saw you in practice what became of that or did he just lack a point guard you know i don't even know what that say the way you you know yeah, what i mean that's, that's, yeah for sure that's that's good you just said that lack of a point guard because um my junior year when i became a full-time point that's what it was so we had uh we, we had lack of a full-time point guard finally because um, we lost Archie Miller after my freshman year, then Cliff Crawford, who was our starting point guard after my sophomore year. And then it was me. And then we brought in two freshman point guards. But in the ACC, when they start pressing, they're going to get that ball, and it's going to be like a hop, boom, yeah. and they passing it. Because they don't want none of that stuff. No smoke. So uh, a lot of it, no smoke. So uh, a lot of it was a lack of a point guard. And then also it was Coach Seen in AAU, Hey, you know this guy can handle the ball well. He can pass, make the right plays, and do all have all the qualities. He can play on the ball. Um, Coach Kosinex, my guy, I can't give him too much credit of futuristic thinking <laughs> because we were playing in a Princeton offense. Okay. So our five man, our five man had the ball as much as I had the ball, which to me was a couple of BS. Right. I want the ball to be in my hand. Right, right. I, th- I think well, a lot, a lot, a lot of people will argue that you didn't let the ball go. That's that's what you hear out there in these streets. That's a fact too. <laughs> I, I turned that that Princeton into go. You turned the Prin- I'm, Princeton I'm into the Harlem, like Future and uh, Rucker Park. Get out of my way. Let's go. <laughs> Yo, so but, yeah, no, it's awesome. So you, no, again, again, sorry, sorry. No, I'm about to take it somewhere else. Go ahead if you had a question about what we're talking about now. Yeah, you know, so I mean, you, I'm, I'm asking you because, um, you, you know, you're a coach today. Um, mm-hmm. We'll get, and we'll introduce that too. Um, but I, I'm curious because I feel like, for me, just outside looking in, just watching the game. You know, I love, we love the game. My brother and I watched the game since we were ch- children. Mm-hmm. It's for me, every coach has a different philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, it doesn't mean that it will. It's the successful one. It could be or it could not. You know, it just. Mm-hmm. It really is. It really depends, and it also depends on the personnel. But my question is, is do you think it's it's like now from your experience, based in high school, middle school, etc., and even in college, do you feel like it's also just not being married to one philosophy based on the personnel that you have, or do you think that X's and O's trumps the rest of that? Am I making sense to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, me um, being a coach now, the team with the best players win. It's that simple. We all love Coach K, right? Why do we love Coach K? Is it because he could grab a board and he just writing up a play and no disrespect to nobody, right? Just me just being honest so people could take it how they want. But Duke has the best players year in, year out. Mm-hmm. UNC has the best players year in, year out. Kansas has the best players year in, year out. There's like, and 
I hate to say this because a lot of people, all right, let me, let me go come at it at a different angle. So this is how I am. I feel like the team with the best players win 9.5 out of 10 times. Mm. If I have a pro and you have no pro, then I'm probably going to beat you. If you have two pros and I have four, who's going to win? Me. I have four pros. Now, a a lot of guys, um, and you see this a lot in this profession, guys who really didn't play, they don't come from a background of playing. They maybe come from a background of, I don't know, they probably was a lawyer for two years before they got into coaching or or what what have you. Um, They like to feel like they're changing the game, right? So a lot of guys like to go the analytics route. For me, I've we grew up doing algebra, trigonometry. I always thought with a, with an analytic mind, right? So um, my whole thing is, yes, we can go bar graphs and charts and we could say, hey, don't shoot this shot because you're shooting 20%. Well, what if out of those five shots he took, they only made one, but what if four of them was at the end of the shot clock from that position? That's different than shooting from the opposite corner wide open and you're shooting it with 15 seconds left on the shot clock. Yeah. So of course he's going to have a higher uh, percentage over here, but it doesn't mean he can't hit this shot or make this shot consistently. So my thing is always the teams that win the most have the best players. Um, you look back at Butler um, a couple years ago with Coach Stevens, Brad Stevens, and we was like, man, how is Coach Stevens getting these teams to the Final Four, to the National Championship game? And at the time, Butler was, they wasn't in the Big East. But then we found out later, he has an NBA All-Star on his team, right? Yeah. He has three other pros on his team. And it's not saying he can't coach, because I know that the guy can coach his, his tail off. But we were just looking at Duke as Duke, right? Um, and they had their guys who are, are always good. We always know them, their household names. But he just had a couple pros who we didn't know. Um, and I think that happens a lot. So in terms of philosophy right now, basketball is ball screen. You get in the ball screen and then you come off and you got to make reads. That's why when you say point guard to me, I'm like, point. you need to be a guard who need to do this. And right. if you can, then you, you will have success. And then your coach will win, you know, coach of the year awards. And all of a sudden will be one of the great, greatest coaches ever. You know, get the talent. Listen, I'm I'm gonna tell you right now, just so it's on the record. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, when you need some some footage or some audio for your coach's reel, right? When you're interviewing for that next job down the road or whatever, feel free to just dip a toe in here, collect this little piece you just walked through, because I think it speaks volumes about your coaching mind, um, <clears throat> and not just you know not to big you up and blow your head up, pause, but like. <clears throat> it was a very well thought out analysis of how coaching should be considered, right? Um, I think I think analytics is an important tool in the tool bag, right? Of course. And up until you said what you just said, I gave it even more weight than how you described it, because circumstance does play a huge role in how those numbers pan out. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's, it's obvious when you, when somebody lays it out for you, that's a very obvious thing, but because you get (laughs) caught up in the numbers, you don't factor in the circumstance. Right. Um, so, so that's real ill now taking, taking you out of the coaching mindset 
and putting you back into NC State and the player mindset, right? Mm -hmm. You, it's really difficult to shine the way you did at NC State um, for a number of reasons. One, the conference. Two, it's just the NCAA period. Like the competition level mm -hmm. is very high. Especially, you know, when you compare high school into college, I mean, it's, the elevation is crazy. Um, mm -hmm. You were able to incrementally expand and grow. Actually, your freshman year, I mean, you, you did amazing. There was one game in particular against Maryland that year that I know was pretty notable. Can you take us kind of through that and why, I believe anyway, it does hold kind of a special, special place in, in your career? Yeah, well, I actually, I remember that. So I remember each time we played Maryland. So yeah. the first time we played them, um, my freshman year, that's, that was my first career ACC game. I had a double-double. Um, my second, the second time we played them, uh, and going through my freshman year, I guess before I get to the second game, you know, I was – uh, I came in as a high, the highest uh, recruited freshman in ACC, and, and I was having a pretty solid, I would say, a solid campaign. Um, so going into that second year, I'm having a uh, second game. I'm having a good game versus um, Steve Blake goes to box me out, and um, I felt like he threw a little elbow at me. He threw a little sauce on it. Yeah. So then I, I thought, um, you know, it, it's only right for me to also give this man some sauce. So I gave him some sauce in the back of the head. Right. He didn't like having it in the back of the head as opposed to me having it in the chest. So, you know, <laughs> I get I get kicked out of that game or whatever. And that actually ruined uh, my chances of winning rookie of the year because up until that point, I was a clear cup winner. So going into the uh, ACC tournament, we was playing them in the semifinals and we needed this win to, you know, um, I guess certify that we were going to the, the tournament that year. And it was about a minute or so left. And it's a one-point game. And I had it. And a shot clock was going down. Um, and I shot a three. And I made it. And it put us up four. And, like, the crowd just exploded. We got to stop the next time down. We end up winning that game. I, I believe it was a minute. It may have been under a minute. But uh, it was a big shot. And it was kind of like, yes, like, got you guys back. You know, like, this is what you get. Um, and then, unfortunately, we saw that Duke team after that that had just won a national championship with uh, Jay Will, Mike Dunleavy, Carlos Boozer, Dante Jones, Chris Duhon. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like, Daniel Ewan. Like, these are all pros. Like, these are all pros. And we had myself, Anthony Grundy. I, I was a freshman. And Josh Powell, who was with me, he was also a freshman. Big guy. Played the Lakers one, two wins. Mm -hmm. um, we had three pros to their eight pros. So who do you think won that game? Right. Back to back to what you were saying before. <laughs> it's right back to the basics. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> was that was that at the end of that game? I know you've, you've said this a bunch, but when they interviewed you at the end of that Maryland game, was that the one where – the announcer was, you know, you was like, "What? When you hungry, you eat." Was that the one? Oh, okay. I think you're talking about um, <laughs> that was versus Duke. Okay. So that was okay. that was uh, my my junior year, um, and that was that was versus Duke. They were number one in the country. Uh, we were top twenty, top fifteen. We just got a big home win, right. you know, 
crowd storm the court, you know, everybody's happy. You know, I have my nephew on my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I just started I just started talking. Man. You, you got real myself. real Harlem, real Harlem yeah, at the end. It's, it's a fact, man. You know, when you're hungry, you eat, bro. So you know, that was that was definitely a a, a great moment um, for NC State basketball. For myself, people still talk about it, and you know, it's it's not about the points you score or you know, oh man, you had a special game here or there. You know, it's more about the feeling you leave people with. And uh, me choosing NC State at the time, you know, they were at the bottom of the ACC. Mm. Uh, they had won uh, maybe 10 or 11 games the year before. Um, Coach was uh, right there on the rocks. You know, if he went and got me um, as the prize recruit, you know, he gets fired. So at the time, you know, it's very different now because now everyone knows NC State basketball and obviously Coach Kevin Keats is doing a great job. But at the time for State, it, it was the complete opposite. So for me to go there and, you know, the feeling and the impressions that I left people with, that's why now I can go to Raleigh and everybody's like, man, genius is back. And, you know, me, you know, I'm, I'm extremely confident, but I know, man, like, hey, man, you got Philip Rivers, you got Mario Williams, both football guys, you got Tori Hope, you got uh, Chris Cortiani on the basketball yeah. side, you got Rodney Monroe, you got David Thompson, so many great players. And uh, just the love I always get when I, I go back there, you know, that's why, that's why for me, like that's, that's home now. That's my, my second home. Let, let me tell you real quick. Um, so I, I think I mentioned this to you. So like my, my career has been in advertising technology since I left college pretty much. And um, one of my coworkers back in the day, um, so I used to work for AOL once upon a time and I work with a dude named Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith is from North Carolina. He still lives down there. I believe he lives in Charlotte. So if you're listening, Jeff, shout out to you. It's been years since we got together. But um, I remember distinctly he mentioned your name. He knew I was a sports guy, and I didn't know he went to state. But he mentioned, I guess, I don't know if you were, you must have been, I think you might have, no, nah, no, nah, you, you were out of school by then. It was like 2008 or something like that. In any case, he mentions you. Um, about like the heyday of the glory days, right? Of of state, and yo, this guy lights up, right? And I'm like, wait, Julius Hodge? He I, again? I think you from the Bronx, right? So I'm like, yeah, he's from the Bronx. He went to my high school. He goes, he went to your high school. And as soon as I saw that, <laughs> me being a knucklehead New York dude, I was like. Yeah, he was alright. I mean, you know, he was <laughs> lanky dude, whatever. Like, and I didn't, I, di I wasn't following you in college like that, so I didn't understand yep, yep. like the significance. Yo, the, the it looked like I punched him in the, in the gut when I said that. Like, <laughs> he was like, "You're playing with me, right?" And I was like, and then I had to back off because I saw him getting like visibly upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's about to get at you. Yeah, and I was like, "Yo, but like, <laughs> tell me, tell me, like, tell me why why you feel this way about this dude." And he, he kind of walked through a whole bunch of like, you know, memories. And I was like, that's when I, I think I might have hit my brother up because I know you guys were in the same grade. I was like, yo, Julius was like, for real. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that conversation, actually. I remember that. <laughs> and yo, and this dude, like, I, I don't think I've seen him since then, but I was like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, he's, he's people's, like, he's in the circle, like, not a big deal, not understanding. Now, I, and I've been to North Carolina since a few times, and I've I've just mentioned your name like in a sports bar or some random spot. 
yo, son, you're heavy in them streets. <laughs> like, it's a lot of love out there for you. So, you, I mean, I, I know you know because you get approached, and I know you you spend time in in North Carolina, in particular Raleigh. But like, man, how does it how does it feel? Because it's got it's still got to be surreal to you. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's a great feeling. But you know me, I'm always passing the puck, so I have to go back to you know I had great OGs, you know, starting at St. Raymond's um, with Terrence Rincher, uh, Orlando Antigua. Chucky Martin, Charlton Clark, Reed Reed, Eric Harris, one of my favorites, the way he defended the ball, like the dude gave it everything he had, you know, the same reason why I love John Stark. There was, there was so many guys I saw, Majestic, I saw growing up, Vaughn Hunter, and, you know, those guys were always, they were good ball players, but they were great people. So when I was always able to see that, it's, it's always, they always left me with a feeling that, Yo, man, it's, it's obviously, you know, you want to work hard and give it your all, but you want to be a great person. So, you know, me me going to NC State, I always held that in, and it's good to still have that. Yo, I have a question regarding – we're we going we to do this – we're going to do a little controversial shit here because I'm going to throw a name out there. Hold on one second. Hey, Lex, close the door, please. Am I on speaker? Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I. No, no, not, no, no, I'm not on speaker, right? Because I just, I just. No, 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 no you good. Headset, headset. He hears words. He hears words. He hears words. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Because I, the way you speak, my brother, I don't want to say nothing unholy out this mouth of mine. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, I, I perfect, bro. <laughs> All right, cool. But your teeth look white than a mug, bro. We're not talking about. <laughs> that's what we do, though. That's what we I'm do. hating. That's that, that's that vegan toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, I'm gonna throw a name out there. And I want you to hey, elaborate. Hey, charcoal toothpaste. That's the that's, charcoal toothpaste. That's that good Yo, stuff. Yo, I'm good every morning. Yo, it works, bro. Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> there you go. You know. I'm going to need you to give me some compliments, man. I swear it. I, hey, hey, you're real good, man. You're good. <laughs> you don't work on those compliments. But, yo, no. but check this out, though. I'm going to throw this name out there. I want you to elaborate on this name. You ready? Mm-hmm. Chris Paul. Oh man! <laughs> yes, I'm going right there. They call him. They call him MP. MP for short in uh in Raleigh. MP. Uh, yeah. I don't know what uh, that. I, I give you a hint. The P stands for punch. Oh, okay. So, yes. Oh, I know. That's why I brought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's, it's crazy. Uh, I, I tell people this all the time. Like people think it's uh, it's probably beef or uh, steel. Um, and it's not, you know, he, he had a, a, a poor moment and, and it happens. Hell, I just told you guys the story about, you know, when I hit Steve Blake my freshman year and uh, when he, when Chris got me and he was a sophomore. So he's, he's still young and being competitive. Um, the thing, I love a warrior. So whether that's um, with me, fighting with me or against me, I love a warrior. And uh, the dude always gave it 100% of what he had. Um, he had a poor moment. Um, and I, the thing that really got me is because I was a fan of his. Mm. Like, he was my favorite player in the ACC yeah. by junior and senior year. The dude was nice. Yeah. Like, nice. we tried to get him at NC State. We recruited him hard than a mug, our coaching staff. Um but uh, but yeah, he he got me, and um, 
That was my senior year. And then to top it off, he hit the game-winning shot. Uh, that same thing. <laughs> On no. my senior night, they have my bobbleheads everywhere. Like, it's crazy. How do you how so, do you not get up after getting hit in the midsection and then not go ballistic? Uh, it's basketball, man. Yo, that's, like, that's not how I, I look like, at like, it. We, we grew up in New York City, bro. Right. So if it was really, you know, problem... You know, it, it'll be it'll be street stuff, but you know, it's basketball. Like he had a poor moment, um, and I'm a Scorpio, so I knew eventually I would get him back. You know? um, <laughs> that's, that's just the way. That's just the way it works with me. Like if you ever wronged me, I would get you back. So uh, I, I was in Chicago. Uh, we was at the pre-draft testing, so I had went through all the NBA workouts, and um, it's crazy going into the draft. They had me like middle of the second round, and I was going through all the workouts and you know, playing well. And then by towards a month before uh, the draft, they had me up somewhere saying I could be anywhere from late lottery to, you know, in the first round. So I went to Chicago and I didn't have to play. Um, I was just there for testing. So just to do my, um, see how many times I could work 185. I got it up at the time, like 18 times. I was third out of everybody there. Um, and then they wanted to do see how tall I was, true height, weight, everything. So I saw him, and I was with uh, Ray Felton, who's point guard at UNC at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ended up being a lottery pick, and Sean May, same with him, played with UNC. Um, and me and Ray is really tight, you know, to this day. So I'm walking with him, and then Chris, it's a long hallway, right? And it's just like little dip-off hallways you could go into, but it's dark. Go straight, it's light, right? So you want to stay in the light. You know, I'm always going <laughs> back to the light. Uh, so I'm with Ray, and then he tries to walk past me really fast, Chris. And I was like, ah, okay, okay. I was like, yo, Ray, I'll be right back. He was like, yo, Jules, chill. It's too many people, right, like decision right. makers. Like, you're like, yo, come on. So I just grab him. I duck him off in the little highway in the side joint, put him in a little headlock, had a couple words for him. Because I'm like a true fan. That's the thing. Like, yeah. I was a fan of his, and I know he's a great kid. He just had a poor moment. So now... You know, fast forward, he's been doing it a lot, but it still don't take away like the, the, the dude is a hell of a player. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. You know, so, um, but yeah, he, he had a poor moment. Like, I don't, I don't trip on it. Like, people, a lot of people will want me to still be, you know, upset or, but to me, it's funny, man. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, it just speaks to the caliber of man that you are. I think, um, I, I said it more out of good humor, you know. I, I think, yeah, yeah, for so, sure, for sure. So many years have passed, you know, I don't expect you to hold that grudge. It's just yeah, for me, nah, it was, nah. it's, it stood out because you know, it's, it's so you know, it was all over the incident for me, you know what I mean? It was, mm-hmm. it, it had nothing to do with you know, rekindling old, uh, any nemesis or anything. I have, yeah, yeah, I have no, one, no. I want to real quick. My, I have two things more to share, and I want to get your input on both. Um, mm-hmm. I want to know about, you know, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. I want to mention that to you first because we grew up where we watched him grow. I want to know what effects of that, you know, just his 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 whole entire career, what how it, how it impacted you, and I believe you were on the court with him at some point in your mm-hmm. career. So I just kind of want to know from that firsthand perspective. And then we got to talk about the last dance because you've been on Facebook talking about, yo, I got to shave and put my earrings on to watch the last day. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I got to get juice and take. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, started with Kobe. Uh, I was definitely a huge Kobe fan. And um, growing up, I mean, who wasn't, right? Uh, met Kobe for the first time when I was at ABCD camp. 
going into my senior year. Um, and I was uh, one of the better players at the camp. And uh, he took a picture with a group of us. It was my, myself, Elijah Ingram, uh, at the time, who ended up going to St. John's. He was a junior at, uh, damn, St. Anthony's. Uh, Sebastian Telfair was in the, the picture. Curtis Sumter, who went to Villanova. Uh, Lenny Cook. Um, it was just a bunch of the New York City guys. And we got a picture with him, and he was talking to us at camp. And um, I have nothing but great memories about him. Uh, with, with Kobe's death, uh, it's kind of like for my generation, right? Uh, he was our Superman. Yeah. Um, and I imagine if Superman was not only a great ball player, he's a great person, um, and everybody followed him and loved him. And then you just lose him unexpectedly. Um, so that, um, for me personally, that, that hurt, you know, I, I was, I was hurt um, me too. by that tremendously. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I played against Cole, you know, um, it was, uh, it was one of my only starts. I believe my only start in the NBA was against uh, the Lakers at the, at the Lakers in the Staples Center. Um, I matched up on Kobe. Now this isn't regular Kobe. This is like Kobe. Four games before, 45, 47, 50, wow. like 38. He's on a rampage right now. Mm. Um, and then I'm smack in the middle of that. And uh, I, I did a good job. Um, I held Kobe to eight. Um, I believe I had about six points, six assists. My only start, uh, and I was, I was locking him up. But I remember at one point, he had uh, like two points. Uh, I believe at the time, he may have been, he hadn't scored yet. And I'm, I'm guarding him. So uh, he goes to the free throw line or whatever. They call a phantom foul. What can you do? So uh, he's on the free throw <laughs> line. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm locking your ass up, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> I just give him that. So Marcus Camby is standing right next to me. He's like, like he like got serious. And Marcus is like the biggest clown. Like y'all would love him, man. Yeah. Like jokes for days. And he looks at me and he's like, You shouldn't have done wolf, that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, and I look back at Cole, and he had the free throw line, he make it. And he looked at me, he's like, All right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, like shit. I literally felt fear. Like, I was like, Oh, shit, what I do? <laughs> so we go down to the office, or whatever. He comes down, he scores. And I'm like, all right, damn, what I do? He comes at me again. I foul him. And then George Carl was like, all right, get him out of here. Like, <laughs> that shit backfired on you. He was about to turn up. <laughs> it is crazy because the next game after that, he went back on his tail, 40-something, 30-something, and just killing it. So, damn, that's a good that's, story. That's, that's my, my story, man. That's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yo, any thoughts on the last dance? Uh, you enjoying it? Uh, yeah, the last dance is good, man. Um, my thing, and I actually had a Zoom meeting with our uh, with our staff and our players. And yes, it's it's good to see you know uh, Isaiah still feels a certain kind of way, and Mike still have that I don't rock with y'all. And I get it because, like, even uh, when we used to play against Rice and all those guys, and those guys are good dudes. Um, 
And when I still see Dre, it's still a part of me like, ah, you still a ops, bro. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he's a great dude. I love Dre. Great dude, man. But he's like, you still the ops, bro. I don't know. Man. <laughs> so I, I love it when I see MJ, when I see uh, Isaiah, Bill, and Bear, Horace. They all still hate each other. I love it. That's that's like love to me. I love when I, I can meet someone or see them, and they are exactly who they've always been. Yeah. Um, but uh, my thing is seeing Dennis Rodman wow. um, and the scene that you could be at the height of your career, right? And um, success and you're playing and everyone expects you, you should be happy. You have all the money and everyone loves you. And, you know, what he, he was going through and still going through mentally. Um, so, you know, I had a talk with our guys and I was saying, hey, guys, you know, it's how you deal with adversity. And also in moments where, you know, you, you may feel like you're at the pinnacle at who you are, who you're going to become or success. And, you know, you, you got to have, you know, family and loved ones around you, surround yourself with those people and, you know, find a hobby or something else that you love so that whether in times of great joy or in, in times of sorrow um, or adversity, you have something else you could grab hold on to, right? So your life just isn't defined by, you know, one thing or one person, Um and, you know, I talk with our guys about that. But, no, I, I, I love it, man. The last dance, you know, uh, Mike was a killer, you know, but I saw my Bulls, I mean, excuse me, my Knicks in 93 was up 2-0, and Charles Smith missed the layup under the basket. Not bro. one. Went up it wasn't one layup. You would have had a ring. Bro. It wasn't one layup. It was like it four. It wasn't one layup. <laughs> I know. No, but wait, wait, wait. If you go, if you look at the footage, he got blocked. Three times and fouled like six, but it's fine. No, he did it. It's whatever. Nah, Yo, B. Jordan, Grant, and Pippen all took turns blocking that ass. Finish your breakfast, B. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Get the ball right here, elbows up, go up, man. That's like. true. That's true. Yo, the reason I say that is because Chicago's defense at that time, well, just in the t- Jordan, you got to remember, Jordan was defensive player of the year, I think, what, nine mm-hmm. times or something? Pippen, two, defensive player of the year. Uh, Horace Grant was a great defender. It wasn't like he was playing against slouches. Like, I get what you're saying. And even at, 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 in retrospect, when I was a kid, I looked at it the same way y'all talking about it now. Like, yo, he's soft. He's just – I get that. But, yo, he was going against a mother loaded. I don't, I don't consider Charles Smith soft. I He gets a lot no, of flack. Yeah, no. And I think, yeah, yeah. yeah I, to your point, Jules, he should have finished his breakfast. Absolutely. That one moment, that. unfortunately, defines him for a lot of people. Right, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I one s- of them. Yeah. Well, right. No, I'm messing up. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think if you look at the the you know the entire career that he had, like he was a solid player. He just yeah. had a really foul moment. That, yeah, yeah. That and he was that against a great team. But but so. it had it had a significant impact for us, you and I. My brother's not included yeah. in this conversation because he's a Bulls fan. Fuck that. Wow. Yeah, you didn't know that about him, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Two three peats yeah, and I'm a bucket. So, I'm I'm sorry you had to find that shit out now, Jules. I'm really I'm, that's I'm, crazy. It, it pains me to have to. Pippen, man, he was my favorite player, best player going. Scotty was the goods. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. I had a debate with a good friend of mine. In your opinion, who's the better player? Scotty Pippen or No, 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 no. I'm not going with (laughs) Kobe. No, no, no. I wasn't going with Kobe. No, no, no. no. Look at the two players. Scotty Pippen or Kawhi Leonard? Hmm. Hmm. 
I will probably have to say Kawhi. Wow. Right, this conversation is over, y'all. Cut this I, right No, here. I want to I hear the rationale. It's not easy. See, I had a pause. Right? I thought you were going to say LeBron. I'm like, well, no, no, no. I wouldn't stuff. say that. No, LeBron but got it for sure. I, I, will, I will probably go with Kawhi because Kawhi has led a team himself and got to the promised land, whereas Scotty mm. was never that A guy, you know, 1A. He wasn't that. See, Jews, let me, let me tell you he something. He to, and he had a chance, though. He did. Because remember, he, did. he was with the Rockets. In Portland. Well. He had a chance. Yes, but and he was Portland. playing with Charles Barkley and Akeem Olajuwon. Is he going to trump Olajuwon? If he's that dude. Scotty, yeah, yeah, Scotty. But no, but listen, listen. His prime years were played in the Bulls. When he when he left the Bulls, he was already in his. I think he was going towards his mid thirties. So you're not really leading the team in your mid thirties. I mean, like you're not in your prime. I understand what you're saying, but his best years was played under the greatest player of all time. Like my question is, would Kawhi, if Kawhi was in Pippen's shoes, is he gonna run? Is he gonna lead the team to the championship over Jordan? No, because exactly. but he was he's playing with a, a Hall of Famer, Kyle Lowry, and he was whoa, 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 whoa. slow down. Come on now, we got to get props, bro. So a Hall got of Famer. Ring. He was number two. Wait, wait, Kyle Lowry's a Hall of Famer. He will be. He will. Yeah. But you know what, bro? Listen, I he's know you. Stats, bro. Listen, listen. No, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Wait, dude. I know you're a great guy. You're and a great guy. Kawhi got a ring. Yo, listen, wait, wait, let me just say this. Jules, I know you're a great guy. You're a coach. You're probably friends with all these people, bro. But, yo, honestly, bro, I love Kyle Lowry. Yo, I love Kyle Lowry. I no disrespect to Kyle Lowry, bro. And if I'm wrong, I'll eat it. I got no problem with it. I'm just saying, yo, bro. Yo, what has he done besides winning this championship that merits a Hall of Fame career? Besides 18 this and last 8. Year? 18 and 8. Every what? year. 18 and 8. We gotta talk. Worry. We gotta talk after this because it's, it's obvious it's California is corrupting your brain, and I'm I'm worried. <laughs> I, never, I never thought I'd say this to you. It's obvious that you are, you know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. And Kawhi, Kawhi locked up LeBron. Well, he ain't lock him up, but he was guarding LeBron and stopped LeBron from getting that ring. It's like we forget about Kawhi with the Spurs winning championships, right? That's, actually, you're right. Like you're right. The man's been there before plenty of times. That's that, no. you're absolutely right. I totally did forget I about mean, that time. I'm just they, saying, bro. They were they, no. Listen, I'm not taking anything away from Kawhi Leonard. Nah, I listen to what this is my just, perspective. You just took it all away from Kawhi Leonard. No, 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 no. I I love Kawhi. I think he's. I was. And I say, love Scotty. So that's the like. It's crazy. Well, I love Scotty. No, I know, I know. But here's my point. My, my quick point. Scotty Pippen played a completely different role because he was on the ball. Right, he was on the ball, like he facilitated the game, etc. But literally, he led the team in every statistical category. He could do all except, things except scoring. Well, again, again, but you have the greatest score in the history of life. So it's not like he wasn't scoring because he couldn't score. It was that wasn't needed for him to? You don't need to challenge the greatest that there is when you your role is you're doing everything else phenomenal. Why would you need to trump? You know what I mean? And, and, and he was on great teams. So, and, and for me, it's not because of that. It's just if I had to go with one or the other, because Pippen had a year in between there where if Pippen was, Jordan was gone, and Pippen could have led them to the championship. 
when Kawhi left the Spurs, immediately he went to Toronto and won a championship. That was in one year. So he went from being the third best, fourth best, third best, second best, to like going to be number one on another team, eighty one. Yo, listen to me, Juju. Oh my God, it's it's oh a tough God. one. It's tough. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's in his prime, though. I, I look. Dude. I want to give. I want to give Julius back to his wife and kids because I don't want no smoke from from the household. <laughs> okay, because I hear things sometimes. Like Kyle Cuff's wife one time was like, "Yo, what the fuck?" No, I'm kidding. She didn't say that. She didn't say that. She <laughs> she loves the show actually. Um, I had I I want to close with one question. Um. And, and it involves leadership, right? Um, and so you're a coach, you, you're leading other men on the battlefield, you know, of, of basketball. Beyond the court, there's a lot that goes into it, right? Um, the, the X's and O's and all the drills and all that is one aspect of it. Um, I, I look at, I always talk about the similarities of the game, any sport really, but particularly team sports in more particular conversation about basketball and how a lot of what is learned translates very easily to the boardroom, to corporate America, up and down the ranks, all sorts of different places, right? There's all, it seems like there is a, uh, actually it's more than seems. I think this is a fact people that play professional basketball afterward, it's very difficult for them to integrate back into society as something not a basketball player, right? Exactly. As you're leading and, you know, in your coaching capacity, how do you set the right foundation for them to excel, well, on the court academically and look beyond playing basketball? Like, that I feel like that's one of the hardest things to be able to to get in people's heads to understand because of youth and all the you know the hype around where they think they're going to be how do you approach that because I think that's a humong it's a I mean we could probably spend hours talking about it but it's a humongous I think problem if they're not foundationally ready mentally in order to accept that reality at some point in their lives yeah, uh, I, I think you just start with who you are morally. So, um, again, I saw with myself, you know, I tell guys what we're going to do on the court, we're going to do. And you're going to go through it. And we're going to have adversity. and You're going to overcome it. And we're going to win. We're going to lose. It's, it's all going to be a wash. But who do you want to be as a person? So do you want to be a guy that slack and go to go to class and sit in the back of the room with a hoodie on? Because you could very well be that guy. I don't I don't know how successful that guy would be. But or do you want to be the person that going in, you have your collar shirt on, you have your tie in, you have your shirt tucked in, you're going to sit in the front, you're going to listen, be attentive, you're going to actually learn. It's not so you could get an A in a class. It's so you can feed this. Like, this is hungry. Feed your brain. Learn. Knowledge. So um, that's always my approach. And then it's, you know, like I said a little earlier, you know, it's, it's not just basketball, right? What else do you want to do with your life, all right? What, what else are you, uh, what are your interests, um, hobbies, all right? Do you, you want to learn about real estate? You want to learn about day trading, all right? You want to you make money, 
right? I mean, especially at a time right now where, you know, the country's in a, a flux, the world is, um, and especially financially, um, hey, maybe you may want to put some, buy some stock in Beyond Meat, right? Or vaccines or, or, or what have you, right? Um, maybe you want to start a, a SEO app, um, search engine um, optimization uh, app and try to make money, learn email marketing. Maybe you want to learn French right now what have you there's so many different things you can do so you have to make sure you're more than you know what you do you're more than your craft you're more than what god gave to you or or something you know the hard work you put in that god helped with um so i'm, I'm always going that route with our guys and hey if you want to make it to the nba playing the nba more power to you i will help you on your journey if you just want to get better as a player and as a person I will help you as your journey. I'm here as a helper. So that's why it always goes back to, you know, people saying who's a great coaches, you know, the way I speak, I'm taking all of the credit. It's not me. It's you. You're putting the work in. You're a pro walking through the door. I'm not, I can't make a pro in four years, right. but your brother or your dad who worked with you for the first 20 years, he, he's the pro maker, not me. Right. You know, I'm just a recipient of it and I'm thankful of that connection and that relationship. I just want to help you along your way. Like so many people have helped me along my way. Again, the, the Orlando Antiguas, the Chucky Browns, the Terrence Wrenchers, the, the Eric Harris's, you know, all, all the guys that helped me, my, obviously my, my older brother, Steve Hodge. So, you know, I, I just want to be a vessel. I want to help. Um, and then you do your thing with it, man. You know, be happy, do your thing. And, you know, it's all good. Yo, but that sales pitch, man, I'm going to go play for you my damn self. Where do I sign? <laughs> you have me at hello. <laughs> Yo, if y'all need, if y'all need a, a serious uh, general manager of janitorial services, I got you. <laughs> hey, yo. Got you, bro. I, I will sweep up everything. Trust. Yo, I'm one hell of a water boy too. If you need a little extra. <laughs> yo, but uh, crazy, I, I saw I saw you sneak in that little uh, uh, Silicon Valley piece over there with this SEO app. Hey. Are you getting Are you getting uh, heavy into the game over there? Yes, sir. Yes, Good. sir. Um, it, it's all always about learning, being better, and you know I'm, that part of me. In terms of being a New Yorker, you know, you have to. You know, we hustlers. Yep. Right. Um, not in a bad way, but in terms of you have to have in the business world, they call it having um, separate uh, different streams of income. Yeah. Right. So you always have to make sure you find your way. And, you know, my mom always preached it. My brother always preached it and I've done it. So uh, for me, it's just always the way I've been thinking. Now I'm teaching my son the same thing. Like, yeah, you, all right. You want to do you want to hoop? You can hoop. You want to do some jujitsu? Do some jujitsu. You want to learn a foreign language? Whenever you ready, I you do your thing. The world is yours. It's your oyster, bro. Yep. Just do your thing. So, yo, that's yo. It's incredible. I feel like you are walking your purpose as far as a teacher and a mentor, coach, etc. It's a, it's beautiful to see you. I, I I hopefully the next time I see you, you are a head coach somewhere because. I feel like you got all all the tools, man. You and I'll be honest with you, like I don't think that's true for every single ball player in my experience. Just like I don't think everyone's head is the same, in my opinion, anyway. Just because I just everybody don't see the game the same. But for you, it looks like you've you've really been a student of the game, man. And it's it's a pleasure to see you 
as, as a man right now and seeing the kind of impact you're having on the youth, man, I, I wish you much, much success, brother. And it's, it's, a, it's an honor to have known you and to know you again as, now as a man. Word, yo. I, I appreciate that, my brother. Same with you, man. You know, I've been keeping up, man. You're the poet that knows it. <laughs> you got to keep it going. Keep going. Finish the race, bro. For right. real, man. Yeah, I will. I will. I got my, my second book should be out this year, man. So that's what I'm working on. So. Look at that, man. My, my man is an author, bro. He's doing <laughs> thing. His name not even author, but he's an author. This is crazy. <laughs> Yo, man, so, yeah, man, stop using the wordplay because they're going to confuse you for the phone. I'm going to be out of business. I think that regular words. <laughs> yo, Jules, man, it, it's it's been a pleasure, bro. Uh, continued success to you and the fam. And uh, yo, stay healthy, stay happy, and stay sane. And For sure. and I'm gonna hit you up so I can get some more vegan knowledge and some yoga knowledge. Uh, I, I, I got you, man. It's right. the only way, bro. Right, man. News. I, I'm gonna I'm right. gonna be in touch with you afterwards, man. I'm gonna try. I wanna rap with you. Bro. All right, Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribbling Dives. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now. Check us out on social media as well. We're live on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. On all platforms, you can find us at D-R-I-B-B-L-E-N-D-I-M-E-S.